This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, you're listening to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is YB Maria Chin Abdullah. She's the MP of Pataling Jaya. Now, if you may not know, before entering into the realm of frontline politics, YB Mariachin was first a women's rights and human rights activist. She was also later the president of Bursay 2.0. And at one point in 2016, she even spent 11 days in detention without trial. YB Mariachin is a very, very inspirational figure. Um, so I'm very excited to have her on the show with me today. Welcome to the show, YB. Thank you very much. You know, you begin your journey in activism as someone um, championing women's rights. You helped set up AWAM in 1985, if I'm not mistaken. But when did your journey in activism actually begin? Um, my journey actually be- began as a, as a student activist yeah, in the 1970s, where we have the student movement in uh, Malaysia. Uh, of course, my late husband was one of the uh, key uh, student activists, um, Muhammad Yunus. Um, I was in London and I joined the uh, student movement uh, in London, in UK actually. So uh, it started from there. Um, it was more on the development economic issues that we got involved in. And then it kind of snowballed into other issues as well. And how did then, you know, that evolve into, you know, women's rights activism? Why did you and your team decide to launch AWAM, you know, in the 80s? Uh, Well, actually, um, when you talk about economic rights, women's rights, uh, or asli rights, they're all connected. Plus, human rights is actually universal. Uh, And so we see that, you know, uh, if you are a poor woman, you are also affected in terms of violence, in terms of government policies and all that. So you have to connect in order to have a much more holistic approach. So when I came back in 1985, uh, Awam was not formed yet, actually. Uh, We had a very informal uh, coalition of uh, women uh, NGOs in Malaysia, uh, mainly the uh, women section of uh, MTUC, the Malaysian uh, Trade Union. We have the um, University Malaya uh, Women's Association. We have the women's lawyers. We have uh, women's aid organization. And we all came together because we were just coming back from UK, US and um, and then linking up with activists uh, in Malaysia. And we decided to have our first uh, Violence Against Women um, workshop. It was a two-day workshop. And that actually sparked us to form AWAM. And from there, it actually activated uh, at least four more women's organizations in Sabah, Sarawak, Penang, and uh, Perak. What was the key problem at the time where y'all felt that, okay, we need to come together and form AWAM, and what were y'all pushing for specifically? I guess there was not enough uh, platform for women's rights to be um, voiced out. So AWAM was um, a natural formation after a very successful two-day workshop on violence against women. And we felt that there was so much to do. Um, So we rallied together. There were at least about 60 uh, women activists 
and um, and we decided that our one would be a multiracial uh, cuts across uh, religion and race, uh, and it will touch on um, not just women's rights but uh, seeing it in the perspective of human rights. So it was, um, and also because of the friendship that we have established uh, uh, while we were actually working together. Uh, so we, we wanted uh, an organization that actually will be able to bring the uh, lived rea- realities of women to the forefront. Yeah. What was the turning point in your life? Because you mentioned that, you know, before forming AWAM and, and, and all of that, you were first a student activist and the rest was the sort of natural progression. But what made you want to become a student activist? And what was the turning point in your life? When you are uh, overseas uh, studying, you also link with the student movement in Malaysia and they were really strong. Yeah, They were actually on the streets uh, demonstrating. They were talking about hunger, uh, which you probably didn't imagine that, oh, yeah, Malaysia has got uh, right. poor people and uh, people actually go hungry. Um, so it actually um, brings up the... Um, the compassionate feeling in you and um, you get politicized through a strong feeling that you need to help. You need to help and then um, then you start looking at why why can't the government do this, that and the other and you look at policies, you look at the laws. So you kind of progress from first wanting to help the poor but then uh, it expanded to you have to do more than just uh, short term uh, assistance yeah you have to think of a longer term and so therefore uh, when we when i was overseas and joined the student movement we were actually thinking of uh, how to develop better policies and governance so that uh, we actually go above this whole issue about race um, that divides us uh, uh, religion doesn't really feature very much at that time, but mainly race. And there was also the Dakwa movement that uh, we also engaged with uh, in UK. And the Dakwa movement now you see is actually all your YBs. Yeah? Some of your YBs, Khalid Samad um, and a few others. Um, so uh, it was um, an ideal situation where we have our ideal vision of how we see Malaysia. But when we came back, the the reality hit us. We need jobs. We need to earn our own living. And um, yet we want to still be active. So therefore, I I feel that, you know, um, I want to suit that kind of drive that I want, you know, the vision that I want for Malaysia and for what I see myself uh, contributing in my small little way. How did you, you mentioned your late husband, Mohamed Yunus. Um, how did you meet him? And I've read like past interviews where you talked about how he has also, you know, at, at the point where you met him and all, like sort of fueled your passion for um, human rights activism and all. I think I met uh, Yunus uh, when he, of course, before that, uh, Yunus was actually uh, fighting with the Palestinians, yeah. So uh, after three years sitting there, uh, he decided to study. So he went over to UK to pursue his course because when he left Malaysia, he didn't complete his uh, degree course. So he wanted to continue and he did um, uh, industrial relations. He completed that. 
uh, and that was in the same uh, polytechnic as um, as I was studying, and we actually formed together um, the Malaysian uh, Singapore uh, so- Association in uh, Northeast London Polytechnic. Of course, now it's no longer called that. It's, it has turned into a university, um, and and we it was the time where you have the Vietnam War, you have the um, uh, Malaysia uh, changing, you have Philippines changing, Indonesia and all that. And, and that is um, the opportunity where all these uh, Asian uh, activists yeah, come together and we talked about our country, uh, what we would like our country to be. And, and that's how you just spark off that interest. Yeah. What was your family like um, growing up? And especially when you... Um, you know, decided to get into activism, right? Because you hear a lot from Asian families and all about how, you know, we sometimes have this mentality, uh, don't get involved, you know, just just mind your own business. It's okay, you know, you don't need to get involved. What was your family like? And when you, you know, in your university days when you were, you know, starting to venture into student activism, what were your family's reaction to that? My parents are... Uh, true supporters of the government of the day, yeah. Uh, he says, uh, my father is a, was a civil servant and, uh, yeah, they gave their full support to the government. Uh, but um, in my family, we do discuss issues. Um, not all the time we agree, but there is a space there. But um, there is big disagreement as well. Yeah, it's imp- while it's important for families to actually understand, but I get my support actually from my involvement with the uh, NGOs, uh, with my friends, uh, and um, you you kind of have to balance la, between uh, your idealism, uh, your activism, and also family, which is also important. Right. You know, you said your, your, your family, were, your parents especially, you know, they were very supportive of the government. They were in the civil service. And here you are fighting essentially against the government. Um, did you have, a, you know, was it like World War Three in your house and things like that at the time? <laughs> Not really, actually. We okay. try to be cordial when it comes to this kind of issues. Um, I have a very huge family. Um, usually, Chinese New Year, there are like almost like 70, 80 of us gathering. Uh, so we do talk um, politics in with my uncles and all that. Some of them were actually student activists yeah, during the Nanyang days. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a family where you have differing political views, but yet we can still come together as a family, at least during Chinese New Year, um, there's peace. <laughs> so we, we, we do know where we stand, but I, I think that we respect each other's view. Uh, that is the best part of it, I, I feel. You mentioned the, the, you know, the Violence Against Women workshop. Now, I was talking to Betty Yo a few weeks ago, um, who's one of the OGs also when it comes to women's rights activism. And she talked about how historic um, that women's, uh, you know, the Violence Against Women workshop was. Do you have any fond memories um, from, that, uh, from that period? What was it like mobilizing? Because you've been doing this for a very long time. Um, these days, um, we talk about mobilizing through social media. 
media um, and all of that, you know, um, WhatsApp messages, um, Telegram groups and all of that. Back then, you had none of that. Um, even handphones were not a thing. And all. so how was the, what was it like back in the day? Paint a picture for me. That time, I just came back. So I'm not the one who mobilized. Actually, to be honest, Betty, you, um, some of the uh, women's aid organization, uh, the University Women, uh, we also have the Selangor Consumer Association. Irene Fernandez was there. These were the mobilizers. I went in like a, a helper. So I, I didn't play a huge role during the 1987 uh, Violence Against Women's Workshop. But uh, the significant part was that after so many years, yeah, um, we were able to come together and mobilize 1,000 people. That was remarkable for me. And uh, we, we were able to um, highlight it in the media. But unfortunately, during that time, people were very uh, negative towards the issue of violence against women. I still remember there was... Um, reporter she actually carried most of our our stories and uh, she was harassed by the public right uh, she received a lot of death threats um, people stalk her um, even uh, asked her to stop uh, writing about domestic violence but even that um, that time 1987 those type of topics are not really acceptable in the public space till now now there's such a big difference everyone is talking about it everyone wants to jump on these issues and talk about it and look as though um i mean uh and uh, try to champion this kind of issue yes uh and even the government is talking about it last time the government didn't and if you recall 1987 yeah um, five women were arrested, five women activists were arrested. Three of them were actually charged for having a street demonstration. We had a, this uh, street demonstration in uh, 1987, yeah, just right. before October. Um, and it was actually because a nine-year-old girl was raped and had a 10-foot pole um, passed through her body. And it was really awful and right. um, nobody wanted to do anything and we were angry. We went to the streets um, where she was actually kidnapped and, um, uh, and eventually brought to a, a abandoned uh, building and raped. We, we just wanted the public to know about it. Uh, for that, it was in the ISA charges of um, two of the women. That's terrible. So that's the reaction of the government at that time under uh, Mahathir Muhammad, yeah? Right. Don't forget that. Do you remember your first encounter with the police? The really first bad encounter right. with the police was during the Internal Security Act where we formed a support uh, group for the families. Um, we were harassed all the way through for one over year. Um, not many NGOs joined us. It was just the women's group, AWAM, actually running, and uh, Women's Development Collective, running the um, secretariat for the support group. Uh, we only have uh, two lawyers, Siva and uh, Niao, um, and a couple of uh, volunteers um, who were there to link up with us on the issue of ISA. So uh, it was 
scary at the same time because uh, this is the first time that you get shouted at, you get harassed, your IC is being taken away, um, you ask to disperse, and, um, and and it's just a few of us, you know, mainly uh, uh, a few women, uh, me, uh, Irene Fernandez, Yutlin, uh, um, and a few others. Um, so uh, it was an experience that I will never forget because uh, so few people came forward, uh, but we actually managed to get ourselves um, uh, recognized internationally. We brought in international lawyers for a Habeas Corpus uh, challenge. Um, we got um, various uh, international bodies coming in to see the detainees. So it was um, a campaign that... Uh, even though you don't have that much of resources, we didn't have that much of money, uh, we were able to achieve quite a lot. And from there, um, it actually shaped uh, my thinking that, you know, um, human rights and uh, governance and the laws and all that will have to come together. Uh, if we are talking about a change, yeah, we can't say that, you know, we just want law change and and not think that, you know, it can be, and not bother about it being implemented on the ground. Right. It has to see through the whole process uh, because the people on the ground will not know um, about the laws. And that's where uh, roles of civil society, even politicians come in to actually educate them on their rights. Then you can deal with the police better. That time, we didn't know our rights and uh, we were just like happily giving them the ICs and answering all the questions. <laughs> Not to say that we have anything to hide, but we were really uh, quite harassed and stressed out. Lah. But now it's like, you know, we could talk to them and ask them questions and demand for certain um, space yeah, uh, to recognize our own uh, rights, uh, even if we are arrested. So there's a big um, difference now. Definitely. Now, a lot of people um, today, when they ask them, um, what do you know YB Maria Chin for? They will say leader of Bursate. You took the baton from um, Ambiga Srinivasan, um, also a human rights um, advocate. Now, take me back to the days and weeks leading up to the 2011 rally. Um, while there have been protests in Malaysia in the past, like you said, even in the 80s, you know, there were student movements in the 70s, then the thousand people gathered in the 80s um, to fight for um, violence against women. But nothing was to the magnitude of Bursay. Um, take me back to... 2011, weeks and days before the rally. What was that like? I think when we took over from the political parties, they had their first Bursay rally in 2007. Yeah, uh, And that actually brought in so many people. Uh, I was there and uh, that was the first time that I saw so many people. Um, some were uh, with all kinds of colours. Of course, yellow was also one of the colours. Uh, when we took over, we wanted to build an NGO, to be honest. Um, in our mind, it wasn't so much of a people's movement, but an NGO that will actually advocate for um, clean and fair elections. Uh, we felt it was an important issue because from there you can branch off to um, bringing in uh, local council elections, better um, accountability at the uh, council level, state level, and so forth. 
uh, and its elections uh, that we wanted throughout uh, from parliament to state to actually council. So, uh, but when we actually decided on our first rally, say 2.0, um, we were actually quite shocked that so many people <laughs> came forward. Yeah, uh, Almost the same as uh, 2007. At that time, I don't think we had that many crowds. Bursay 4 was the, I think was kind of like the peak, yeah, where so many young people particularly came uh, out um, and overnight. So uh, I think that um, from the time we took over to our first rally, um, it actually helped to strengthen our resolute, yeah, to, 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 to feel that, you know, this is the issue. This is the time that we have to keep pushing because we, we can effect some change. Yeah, uh, what change it is, whether we were far away from changing the government, we, that is not really, uh, we didn't think that we could do it at, at that stage. Yeah? Um, it was really um, being able to rally the people uh, on a very difficult um, issue. That, so boring, right? Election. <laughs> uh, we didn't think that people would even come forward on it, but people came. Yeah. yeah? Um, talking about your right to vote was an important issue that we raised. But from there, it branched off to, if you look at the social media, people were talking about environment, uh, about police abuse, about uh, corruption, about, you know, um, the, their own economic issues and all that. So, per se, became a platform for all the pent-up uh, uh, frustration that they have where things didn't go the way the rakyat wanted to be uh, or things didn't help to protect the rights of the rakyat and Berset also went above the race issue it didn't matter uh, what kind of social background economic background or racial background you come from you just come to the streets and we were in sync and we were together uh, and that is the beauty of uh, uh, Bersay, I felt, uh, where it is a uniting force. Uh, through, and we could use the social media to mobilise. On the show with me today is YB Maria Chin. She's the MP of Pataling Jaya. After the break, I'll be asking her about her detention without trial back in 2016. We'll be back with more on Good Things, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Darshan Johan and on the show with me today is YB Maria Chin. She's the MP of Pataling Jaya. So YB, what yeah. was it like mobilizing then? And I'm wondering for key personnel, right, um, such as yourself, um, was was it like a was there a lot of pushback? I'm guessing there were you know pushback perhaps from the government. Um, did y'all have to you know keep looking over your shoulders? Were y'all worried about raids? Um, was it a chaotic back then I'm trying to organize this 2011 rally <laughs> it was the first time that um, me and Ambiga even um, so much as organized anything <laughs> close to so many thousands right Right. Uh, so we were very um, we are not sure we are not sure whether the crowd would be there but we were very sure about our issues that's um, that is one thing um 
and uh, we 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 form we actually form a secretariat to actually help us to uh, manage the rally. At the end of the day, even though the leaders um, did not join, yeah, me and Ambiga were arrested uh, in the tunnel there. Right. Uh, we didn't join the demonstrators, but the demonstrators went on with the rally, uh, which shows that you know. Um, it was moving towards uh, a, a people's movement where people know what they want. Uh, so you don't need leaders. Yeah, it's the the whole issue about per se is not about icons anymore. Yeah, uh, it's about what do we fight for mm. uh, in Malaysia. So that was something that um, that was amazing. Uh, and you see many many different races coming together, helping each other. That is the wonderful part about Malaysia. When we go on rally, we it, it doesn't matter as long as we are together. Uh, and uh, we were able to use all kinds of platforms. Of course, the government helped us to publicize even more by attacking us. But um, <laughs> it brought in more people. <laughs> I hope they do. Re- uh, probably they realize that later. But uh, the first two rallies, when they start attacking us, more people got angry and they came out to the streets. So you see, Bursi 2 and 3, 3 was also a large gathering. Uh, 2 and 3, uh, the government used force. Yeah, um, they. It's tear gas and beat. Bursi uh, 3 was really beating up. All, um, most of the protesters were beaten up. Um, but they, that, that, act, that actions, yeah, uh, using violence, uh, slandering the movement, uh, telling lies about the movement, didn't go down well with the people. People know what they want and they know what the movement is. And uh, I'm glad to say that, you know, I'm, or rather I'm, supro- I'm really quite proud that people put so much trust in us um, that when we call a rally, so many of them came forward. So Bursay 4 was something that um, collectively we, we decided that why don't we do a one day. We won't do like the umbrella movement in Hong Kong, stay for, for as long as they can. But we thought that we will do the uh, overnight. Mm. Um, and that was uh, very interesting because um, that was the first time where we always have communication problems. Yeah, or the internet get blocked, your handphones get jammed. Uh, so we decided to use um, the SUVs, the, the, the trucks. Yeah, right. It's open and you can just Chirama anywhere that you stop. So that's what we did. Uh, we had like six of them, the spots where people start talking about how they feel about the issue, about electoral reform, about Bursay, um, singing. Um, that was the, the major part of our rally, the singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the singing uh, brought people even closer together. Yeah, it binds people together that, you know, um, we have something in common. So I, I feel that, you know, um, this was a movement that is facilitated by the committees, yes. Um, of course, we face a lot of the harassment, yeah. But the people on the ground also face the harassment. They got beaten up. 
they got kicked around, even like Birthday Five, you know, when they sent in the gangsters, the red shirts, um, they, they kicked and uh, beat up our supporters. Whenever we have any program, the response has been very, very encouraging. Up to Birthday Five, when we had the uh, passing of the oboe, and then uh, having the car convoy uh, was a, 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 a different way of uh, uh, showing our, uh, our protest. But this time round, we were talking more, not just about electoral reform, but we're talking about the corruption because that was the time 1MDB started becoming a real monster. Yeah? And people could catch it very fast. So therefore, it actually propelled the uh, movement forward. Fast forward to November, the 18th of November, 2016. It's a very dark day. Um, You were arrested under the Security Offences Special Measures Act, also known as SOSMA, which basically allows the authorities to detain a person for, for 28 days before filing any charge. Now, this is a draconian, terrible law. You were released um, after 11 days in detention without trial. Why were you arrested and do you remember exactly what happened on the day of the arrest? <laughs> uh, actually, we were happily selling our T-shirts uh, at birthday. <laughs> uh, we, I just came back from lunch with Mandeep and then we were saying that, hey, you know, the place uh, has got kind of... Um, too many people hanging around because uh, Avenue 8 is, um, is our office area. So you hardly get people hanging around, but it's, it's, a, it's an office. So we, we were just wondering, oh, well, maybe they are here because of the um, T-shirts or whatever reason. Uh, when we went up, it, not too long, yeah, the police came, uh, my IOLA. Uh, that's the worst I.O. I have ever come across. Um, <clears throat> where he um, he kicked out all the lawyers, even uh, including senior lawyers like Siva, um, who represent me. Uh, he kicked out all of them. They didn't allow even uh, Ambiga to come in. Uh, locked the door. Can you imagine? Locked our yeah. office door. And we were kind of like kurung inside the office. Uh, and that was when they um, took our computers, our files. Then they brought in the MCMC to check on our internet and phones and I don't know what they did. Lah. Um, so uh, then they said that me and Mandeep were arrested. Only two of us, our phones were taken. Uh, then we, we were sent to um, IPD Petaling Jaya. There they actually identified all the things that they have taken. The long and short of it is that they were thinking that if they take away the head and then all the uh, supporters, like the staff and um, the activists, because all on that night, I think, they took about 14 people. 14 people were arrested in, at their homes. Yeah, The government felt that by doing that, people will be even more fearful. And right. less people or maybe nobody will come out to the rally. And definitely they have not learned nor understand the Bursay movement. Because the Bursay movement is not about icons. It's really about people feeling for the cause. And that's why they come. It's always been about the people, what they want. 
Yeah, um, that determines and shape the direction of birthing. Um, so, when even when we were arrested, the, the rally went on. There was no problem. <laughs> they tried to break up, you know, block here and there as usual, um, trying to do the cat and mouse game with us. But eventually, I I wasn't there. But I gather that eventually they were in um, KLCC. So therefore, it just shows that, you know, um, once you build a movement that is strong enough uh, and with the support of the people, it can go on on its own. There will be new leaders coming forward to take over. And, and new leaders came forward to organize the people when they got blocked and, and things like that. And I think that they, they use SOSMA is to instill that fear because before that, if you remember, they were going on about the bombings and ISIS and 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 that kind of uh, right. weird stories that were being thrown in the media. Um, they were trying to create that kind of fear about riot la, terrorist la, and so forth. But people have have grown to understand that kind of propaganda doesn't hold water anymore. What went through your mind what, while you were inside? What gave you courage? Hmm. Uh, when I was uh, introduced to my interrogators, I think there were about uh, 12 of them or so, um, the first thing that was told to me, uh, I'll be there for 28 days, if not more. So in, in a sense, uh, I'm, I, can't, I mean, I understand uh, SOSMA. So I'm, I was like, oh... Um, quite ready for 28 days. After that, I'm not sure whether uh, I'm ready for any other things. Yeah, uh, To be honest, this is the first time that I went to jail. Most of the time when I was arrested, it's actually on police bail. Mm. Yeah. Uh, even when I was arrested in uh, Sabah at uh, Kudat, um, they didn't really put me in jail. Yeah. Eventually, it was a police bail and then uh, I came back. So, uh, SOSMA in the detention center where you don't even know where it is, you're blindfolded. The minute you step out of your cell, um, you're blindfolded till you reach your interrogation center uh, or interrogation room. Um, it's a bit um, disturbing, worrying, definitely. Scared, of course I am, uh, because I really don't know um, what comes next and what will they do? Uh, my I.O., um, um, the one who arrested me at the office, was somebody who just shout and shout. He cannot talk to people properly. He just shouts. Um, you just have to answer one sentence and he shouts back, you know. So, uh, so I was also expecting that kind of treatment. Um, to some extent, yes, I did get some of that uh, when I don't, when they think that, you know, I'm not being cooperative. Uh, but to be honest, they couldn't get much from me because whatever that I know and tell them is already on the website of Bursay. Right. We are, <laughs> we are very transparent in terms of our money. Um, the press statements are all there from A to Z. 
um, our activities, we take po- pictures and post, post, post. Um, <laughs> everything is up there. Even our committee structure, who they are, it's all up there. So, um, so I told them that, you know, you can get all these answers from the website. And they downloaded every single page from the website and showed me. Um, but they wanted to keep on asking the same old questions just to make you feel insecure, they are in power, make you lose your confidence. They use the family to actually threaten you. Um, it's just to make you feel small and, and uh, unprotected to a large extent and to break down. I guess... Um, my treatment as compared to other IS, um, uh, other SOSMA detainees, they got it even worse. Uh. They, they were very physical. Uh, they didn't use force on me. It's just mainly verbal abuse. What made you want to join frontline politics and run as an MP? I guess at that moment, uh, Bursi has come to a stage where we if for a birthday five, we can't even change the government. Uh, not that we were thinking about changing the government. We think that the government should go because of the corruption cases. But it's like uh, we have done everything. We have put in petition, memorandum, uh, stand in front of the uh, SPR, MACC, you name it. We have done most of the things and um, this government doesn't seem to be moving. Uh, it appears to be weak, but it's not moving towards uh, falling down. Yeah? So, um, so that was the time when we discussed that perhaps if we um, join in um, to push our legislation uh, at the parliament, perhaps it will change a bit of the uh, political landscape. Um, but we should have a, a lot more people going into parliament. But eventually, uh, it was only me, uh, Wong Tap, and and Johnson. Yeah, um, he, he was a birthday in Shanghai. Only three of us joined. The rest <laughs> didn't um, come in. Um, it was actually an attempt to see whether we could push up issues at the parliament. So I thought that I will just give it a try. What I learned as an MP is that I could actually uh, understand much better um, the issue particularly about poverty. Because I always think that, you know, Pataling Jaya is, is a pretty okay place. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> being, an, um, being here and then looking at how people suffer uh, and not some of them not even able to have food throughout the whole week uh, just shocked me um, because this is this is what it means by if you have a policy on kamiskinan, how do you bring it down to these people who can't even put food on the table? Why do you keep doing what you're doing? What has given you courage all this while? Because... You know, you have been doing this for decades. Um, what has made you not give up? Um, did, were there moments where you felt like, okay, th- this is just too much? Like, I've done everything I can. What has given you the courage and the motivation to keep doing it? I think that um, it's not that, you know, I'm like, you know, an arrow that goes up all the way. <laughs> no, 
I don't think I am. Uh, there are, of course, moments where you feel, you know, what am I doing this for? But uh, I feel that, okay, say you take, for example, the women's movement. The women's movement actually is really quite remarkable to me because the coalition that we formed in 1985 lasted till now. We call ourselves the Joint Action Group for Gender Equality. It lasted until now and it's almost the same organization, different people, but it lasted because we had a common cause. So um, that uh, commitment actually pushed us forward. Uh, Bursi is the same. If, uh, if not for the committee, I think we will have fallen apart. The committee actually, we, we try to support each other personally and also uh, politically. Uh, and that's how we actually move forward. If without support, uh, whether it's the uh, few hundred thousand or whatever, you still need that personal support from your committee, from your families. Um, I mean, my sons have been very supportive of me. They also goes, go down to for the demonstration. And all that. But it's important to have this support to keep you going and, and feel that, you know, at some point, there must be something there lah, for you to go on. But of course, there are frustrating moments when um, you don't know what else to do. Sometimes in, there are moments in Bursi where we go down, where we are like searching to say that what else, yeah, what else can we do? Uh, there are definitely moments of that. Even uh, as a politician, there are also moments of that. Um, you give and give and give uh, baku makana, but yet you know you can't solve the the bigger um, poverty issue. Uh, that's my greatest uh, um, frustration. And even though you may be helping, uh, you still have issues of uh, violence against women, child sexual abuse. Uh, it's still existing, even though you say that, hey, you know, I have been fighting this issue for the past uh, 30 years, but why is it still existing now? Right. I think it is a, the system needs to really uh, do a revamp because the system doesn't seem to be dealing with these issues uh, properly, that reaches to those people who really need the help. Yeah, when you want to, when you are beaten up or when you are sexually assaulted and all that at home or outside, there's not many places that you can actually go to for help. Like the MCO where you have mental um, stress, yeah, there's not many pe places you can go to. You have to pay. And it's very expensive for people to get that kind of counselling. You have to pay to get the counselling. So the system doesn't really, um, it's not very mobile. Uh, it doesn't change its shape easily to accommodate the realities of the people. And that's where we really need to revamp this system uh, so that at least, you know, when we say that we are solving this so-called uh, Kaluaga Malaysia, Make it work, for goodness sake, you know. Don't change from one Malaysia to Kaluaga Malaysia, but we are still the same. I think that we have to go beyond words, but actions it speaks louder than words. Um, and people are suffering. People are really suffering. Before we wrap this conversation up, YB, I want to ask you, what has been your fondest memory from activism so far? 
oh, my fondness is really seeing the sea of yellow. <laughs> the sea of yellow uh, shows that, you know, oh, gosh, you have really achieved something. Right. Yeah, whatever that you do uh, is, is correct because the people, it's, it's actually the people telling you that, yes, please go on. Uh, and, and that is what it should be because uh, we cannot be active on our own. We have to reflect what the people want. Then only we will have the success. I always feel that, you know, it's the people's power that is more important than um, just the icon or, you know, the lead, the leaders. Yeah, the leaders have to listen uh, uh, to the people, seriously. <laughs> On that inspiring <laughs> note, Wannabe, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. That was YB Maria Chin. She's the MP for Petaling Jaya. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We are available on the BFM app, bfm.my, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.